All right. Thank you, Bo. And it's good to be here with everybody. I just, man, I had a, it just feels like it's good to be here. <laughs> and I feel like it's good for every one of us to be here. As we were worshiping, I just had the sense that, you know, God is, he's here for every individual in the room today and has something for us. And so as we, we're going to look at uh, a, a story kind of encounter. Wow, that was interesting. That the prophet Ezekiel had. Um, we've been, last week we talked about one vision Ezekiel had from the book of Ezekiel. We're going to do that this week and next week. And it's kind of a weird, uh, last week was kind of a weird vision. And this week is a little bit weird too. Um, but it's also really life-giving and powerful. And I think just God wants us as we start off, we're just going to kind of jump right into this that to see that this is not just something that this wild-eyed prophet experienced a few thousand years ago, but it's a picture for us in our lives, wherever we are at as well. And so um, I just want to pray again, just real quickly, and in invite you to just to really be, as we open up the Bible and look at this, this encounter, to be asking, God, what do you have for me? Where does this apply to my life? Where do you want to give me this kind of vision? In my life. Okay? So, Lord, would you do that? Make your word. Um, remove the stuff in us that help, keeps us from, from being aware of what you're speaking. And, Lord, by your spirit, make it come alive to our hearts. Apply it to the very specific things in our lives and in our situations. That I just pray that as a result of us encountering your word this morning, that you're going to give us direction, you're going to give us faith, you're going to you're going to change things in our lives and in the world as a result of what we hear this morning. Lord, we say yes to that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I'm just going to start reading here. Ezekiel chapter 37. This is um, the man Ezekiel. Was, you know, God's been giving him some different visions and speaking to him. They're, the people of Israel at this time are in captivity in Babylon. And they've been judged because of their unfaithfulness, and things are not going well. But God is bringing multiple messages of hope and purpose in the midst of the situation. So, verse 1, chapter 37, Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. All right, just get this in your mind's eye. All right? Ezekiel has this vision. The Spirit of God leads him to this valley or plain. And what's God going to show him? Well, it's like a graveyard where the bones haven't been, where the bodies haven't been buried. Or a battlefield where everybody's died and you just see a bunch of skeletons laying all over the place. And you're like, can't you give me something more uplifting to start the year with? Than this, like, this sounds like a downer right here. Um, but it's, it's interesting, you know, I think it's, in this, in this verse, we see, first of all, that the Spirit of the Lord took him to a place where he wouldn't have gone on his own. Like, he wouldn't have ended up in this place. It wasn't a place that he even imagined before the Spirit of God took him there. And those of us who have been walking with God, we for any length of time, or maybe even if, even if it's just starting today, we could say, you know, a lot of us could say, that's the story of my life. 
Like God's spirit took me places that I didn't expect to go. I didn't even know existed. And they were also kind of uncomfortable. I think about in my own family, I remember when I was 10, my parents had felt this call to go serve as missionaries. And my dad had a business in Topeka, and they were making arrangements, and they had connected with this missions organization, and they were making plans. And we were pretty excited because we were going to Africa. We were going to Kenya. And we had visions of, like elephants and lions and safari and like Africa. Like, yeah, this is great. And about two months before this, there came a phone call and like, actually, there's a need in Taiwan, in, a in Asia. And honestly, I, I was drawn towards Africa. I wasn't really drawn towards Asia. I just, I couldn't really, like just hearing Chinese just sounded like gibberish and it just seemed very unrelatable. And I, it was not what I you know, was so excited about doing, but God changed the direction of our family and it ended up being a great thing. And I love Asia. I love Chinese culture. I love, it was so good what God did. Um, I think about when I came to go to college. I was, Leslie here went to Wheaton College, which is like, if you don't know, it's kind of like one of the premier Christian colleges in America. And I applied to Wheaton, and they actually accepted me somehow. Um, it's, you know, not like it's hard to get into Wheaton as it is to get into Yale or something, but it's, you know, it's, it's still good. But I was like, I, you know, I, I had a heart. I was a Christian. I wanted to serve God. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Wheaton. Or I, there were two other schools kind of similar that I was thinking, that's going to be where I really, you know, grow and God works in my life, his purpose for my life. And then it just like didn't work out. Basically, it was like I couldn't afford it. Like I didn't get the scholarships that I would have needed to, to go to. And I was just figuring out, well, how does this happen? Finally, my mom asked me like in April of my senior year, where are you going to go? I was like, I don't know. She was like, well, if you had to decide today, where would you go? I was like, well, if you may, maybe KU. And my mom started crying. <laughs> Not for the reasons a lot of you would have cried, because she's, she's from Indiana. And she doesn't even you know, care that much about KUK State. But she was like, no, you're going to go to a secular school. You're going to become an atheist. I'm going <laughs> to... And, but that was like, it turned out that's where the Spirit of God was leading me, and that's where my life was transformed in very, very powerful ways. You know, I remember when I came to Manhattan, it was like not what I expected to do. But the Spirit of God led me to a place I didn't expect to come to. And then I moved away 10 months later and thought, okay, I did that. That was really good. I love Manhattan, but, you know, that's not where my life is going to be. And then, like, two years later, God brought us back. And it was like, hey, this is going to be a long-term thing. And I love it. It's great. But it was not what I expected. And so often, the places God leads us, they don't fit our preconceived ideas of what he wants to do in our life. He leads us to a place. Um, Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So, wow. You gotta, this is important. So, the spirit wants to take us somewhere. But there's something that hinders us from going where the Spirit wants to take us, and it's the desires of our flesh. It's the desires of our natural ways of thinking, of our kind of selfish ways of thinking, but really just what is most natural to us. Like, that, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So, hey, you know, God's not too worried about our flesh. It's not like, oh, shoot, man, you're against me. And he's like, you know what, I'm against you too. And that's, I'm against your flesh, and I've, I'm stronger, actually. So, 
We'll, we'll see how this works out. The desires of the flesh are against the fle- the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You know, it's interesting because so much of what we hear in modern day Christianity is basically God wants to help you do everything you want to do. You have these dreams, you have these desires, you're special. God will help you live the life you want to live. And, you know, at an ultimate level, that is true. That the deepest desires of our heart, the psalm says, God will give us the desires of our heart. But we're also divided creatures. And the part of us that is ruled by sin, by selfishness, by our flesh, that is actually the things that we often want are not what we really want. It's not what God wants for us, and it's not what will fulfill us. And so, God, the Spirit, keeps us from doing the things we want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Really, you can think of, you're not under the law of natural things. You're not under the law of what we do in our own resources. There's a higher power that leads us into more. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Okay, so there's a lot in verse 1, but good stuff. Verse 2, and he, who's he? Good, the Spirit, yeah. He led me around among them. Who's them? The bones, yeah. Again, I mean, does this sound like the God that, you know, you, that in your, your children's Bible story books? He's like, hey, you need to know God, and he's going to take you by the hand and lead you through bones. This is what God will do in your life. He'll bring you to dead things and walk you around. Oh, this is what, this is what he's doing. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. All right, interesting detail. They're, just in case you weren't sure. All right, these are bones, and they're not just like, you know, freshly killed bones or whatever. They're like very, very, very dry. Do some carbon dating on these. Like, they're, they're, there's some age to these things. Um, he led me around among them. And as we see this, I think it's interesting because just like, spoiler, spoiler alert, what God's going to do is he's going to bring life in this place of death. He's going to bring life here. And that's what God does. He goes to places of death, places that are broken by sin and the fallen world, and he brings life to those places. But before we can experience the kind of life that God wants to bring, we have to realize how dead it is. Like a lot of times we don't get the life that God wants because we're still like trying to like kind of like get some super glue and glue those bones together and like move them around and like make something happen with them. Like we're taking something that like we think like we don't realize it's dead. We still think there's hope in our old ways. We still think that like this might work out if I just keep trying. But God has to bring us a place of like no, you got to realize it's dead, it's not going to work. You got to you got to come through death to come into the life that God has. So they were they were very dry. Um, and this is really, you know, not, if you, as you probably figured out, this is not just a physical place that God leads us to. But it's the, the place of, of seeing circumstances in our life. 
areas of our lives, relationships. I mean, I can think of family members who I visited over Christmas break, and it's like, dear Lord, they are dead. Like, they are so spiritually dead. And it is impossible. Like, it is impossible for them to serve God. There is just no way, no earthly way, that that is going to change. That there are habits of mine where my kids look at me and they're like, Dad is dead. Like, I, I keep telling him to stop doing that, and he keeps doing it. Like, there's no hope. Like, is Dad ever going to change? You know, there's stuff in our character that, like, it just seems like, like, if we're reality, like, we are not going to change apart from something from God coming into our life and changing that. You, I look at our culture. I mean, there's so much that's broken, so much of injustice and so much of confusion and broken families and broken relationships and lack of ethics and lack of truth. Uh, it's dead. It's dead. The answer is not to try to be like, you know, the Republicans are going to turn it around. The Democrats are going to turn it around. You've got to be liberal. You've got to be conservative. No, that is not going to do it. There's got to be something greater to bring life to a situation. So, God, so I'm hoping today that in our own mind's eye, the Holy Spirit's going to be you know, pointing out areas in our life, areas in our circumstances, where he's putting his finger on and saying, I want to lead you to those places that you've never been able to change. And your family's never been able to go there. And no one in this town's ever been able to go there, or whatever it is, but I want to bring change right there. And this is how I want to do it. So that's, that's what he's doing. Um, and so to see the life, we've got to be in touch with the brokenness. And that takes a humility. That takes a humility of saying, God, okay, I, I need you. I'm broken. I need you. In verse 3, and he, who's he? Good, all right. We're going to have this by the end. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? God, great. So God looks at this situation and says, Son of man, can these bones live? And he asks us that same question. Son of man, can these bones live? My daughter, can these bones live? I was talking to Jesse about this this week and um, about this verse, and he was like, yeah, it's like, man, my answer would be like, bro, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I can't say it like Jesse, but <laughs> obviously, I'll do my best. But that's the, you're like, why is, why is God asking Ezekiel, can these bones live? Like, does he need Ezekiel's hand, help to figure out the answer to this question? Like, and so that's what Ezekiel's like, Lord, you know. You know, why, why are you asking me this question? And God isn't asking us to figure it out. But he asks us, he brings us in front of these impossible situations, these dead situations, to go, hey, is there, and he asks us the same question, is there hope in this place? Can this turn around? Can you change? Can your friend change? Can your family member change? Can our culture change? Can these bones live? And you know, Ezekiel's answer is kind of good. You know, we can, that is like, God, you know. I mean, I, I don't know, but Lord, can you know? But actually, God is trying to, he is, he's birthing faith in Ezekiel. He's presenting the possibility that what seems impossible 
graveyard of dead bones, that actually, maybe they could live. Maybe God could do something that's humanly impossible. Maybe God would come through in this situation. Lord, you know. Um, but for us to, to experience that new life, we've got to believe that he can. I remember, what was it? Just um, less than, about two years ago now, I was, this month, I was riding my bike down Harry Road to our old office, and I saw this house, and it was a house, and someone lived here, and someone actually lived here for 60 years, long time, and, but I, and I'd been by it other times, but I noticed it, and I noticed that there was an old basketball goal older than this one, and another basketball goal out there, and I just, something caught my eye, and I was just in vision, just like, college students and young people hanging out here and playing basketball and like, man, this property, it's so close to K-State. It'd be so great if this was used for ministry. And um, there'd been a property a little bit down Claflin a few years earlier that sold before it ever went on the market. And I'd been like, oh man, like how, that would have been a great property. It was this big lot and it just like went to a developer. Actually, Eddie's company bought it before anybody knew about it. And so, snatched it from the kingdom of God. No, just joking. <laughs> It's, their, their company's all about the kingdom of God, so it's, it's doing great things. But I actually, and this, I don't have many experiences like this in my life, but I prayed. I was like, God, if that house ever comes on the market, would you just let us know about it? Because that would be really cool. And so a week later, literally a week later, I get this text. And someone sent me a text and said, hey, there's a house that is going to be available and it might be a really great ministry place for us. And I was like, oh, where is it? And it was this house. It's crazy. And so, I mean, this was in the middle. This was, this was literally like a couple of weeks before we found out that Reagan had cancer. And then we have brain surgery and go to Arizona and gone and craziness and intensity. But in the middle of that, there was like, okay, like, I think God communicated enough that he wants to give us this house for his kingdom. And so I remember sitting, like, talking, to, sitting in a room with Eddie and Bo and Tom Thamer, and we were just talking about, like, okay, like, should we go for this? And we were talking to them, and there was a price, and we didn't have very much money, and there was a price, and we were like, how could this happen? And, but I remember just having the, the confidence that, like, you know what? I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how much they're going to make us pay for it, but whatever we have to pay for it, we need to say yes, because this is the thing that God's in, and that's what we did, and it's been amazing to see, like, how God has come through in an impossible situation. I mean, we just, Tori just sent me the numbers from our giving from last year, and I had to, like, ask her to send it to me again a few days later, because I was like, is my memory right? Because that just doesn't seem possible, but because as we did the renovations last summer, like, the cost just kept going up and up and up and up, like literally doubled from what we thought this project was going to be, from like 50,000 to 100,000 and more. And, but at Tory's, it's like, well, we had $134,000 come in for this house somehow, and then another $105,000 come in towards our general giving. And 
I, I know you all. I know how much you make. Like, <laughs> no, I don't know you that well. But I know, like, it doesn't, like, mathematics, like, it's not just a human thing. Right? It's like God provided, and people from other places, like, sending money, and just amazing. But we stepped out and said, okay, God, you can do it. And then, we don't know how, but this is you, and, and he came through. So, that's, man, God wants to do that in so many places in our life. Like, the things that he wants to do in your life this year. It's not according to your New Year's resolutions. Because if it was, it's probably too late already. You probably already like <laughs> stopped and fallen short. But it's like some, not something beyond us. But it's his ability that comes into impossible situations. Okay, keep reading here. Um, verse four. Then he said to me, "Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord." So God tells Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the word of the Lord is. And to understand what this is, we've got to understand what prophecy is. And we may have different ideas of prophecy. You may think of Gandalf, kind of guy, you know, like the, the ancient prophet who comes with the staff and issues the word of the Lord. And, you know, I'm not saying that's a fully bad idea, but... Really, prophecy in Revelation 19.10, we're told that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I'm going to come back to that. In 1 Corinthians 14, we're told, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So, really what prophecy is, is, is hearing God's word for a situation, and then speaking that word to other people in a way that builds them up. It's, it doesn't have to be like, thus saith the Lord, thou art... Uh, it, but it's, it's hearing from God and speaking his word to people. And the result, how do we know it's real prophecy? It builds people up. A lot of us are afraid of like, oh no, if there's a prophecy, it's probably going to like tear me down. It's going to reveal all my dark secrets. But God's heart is always to build us up. And we know like genuine prophecy. And so what God's saying to Ezekiel, I believe he says to us too, is like, hey, this, those situations in your life, those situations in you, those situations around you that seem hopeless and it's like, what can I do? Well, there's something you can do. If you're a spirit-filled Christian, you can prophesy to that situation. You can speak to that situation. You can find out God's heart and God's words to that situation and you can begin speaking to those people. You can begin speaking to that situation and see what happens. I love, I've thought, I, it never really hit me until this week, but that whole, the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. Like, what does that, what does that mean? And I think a lot of it means is like, what's the testimony, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's what he says, that's what Revelation says. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know, a lot of the testimony of Jesus, the, the testimony of his life, it's about his death and resurrection. It's about Jesus died for the sins of the world, to bring new life into the world. 
He died to bring new creation. Everywhere where the message of Jesus goes, new creation comes. He is renewing the world. He is renewing people's lives. He is renewing impossible situations. Who is Jesus? What's the testimony of Jesus? What's the, the story of Jesus? It's that he entered the broken, dead world and brings resurrection in those places. And so, the test, and so prophecy is in that same spirit. It's prophesying to dead situations and bringing new life, bringing new creation everywhere God wants to bring it. So God told Ezekiel to do that. He tells us to do that too. Um, yeah. So if you're a spirit-filled Christian, you can help bring life to the world and things around you. You can call forth the things that are not as though they are. You can see life come where there's death. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words have the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And so, we can encounter God. We can listen to God. We can have our minds reshaped by God's word and get his perspective for something and then speak that to someone else in a way that brings hope. I mean, how much, isn't that like so much of what our Christian life is like? like I, for, I, so much for me is like talking to other believers and then they're bringing perspective, they're bringing truth that I wasn't feeling, I was not in touch with, I was discouraged. I was hopeless. I didn't know how it was going to work out. But then like one conversation with another believer, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is possible. Maybe things could change. Maybe the way I'm seeing things is not the way it has to be. Maybe my financial system doesn't, isn't the end-all, be-all. Maybe this job challenge or this school challenge, the, this life challenge, maybe this isn't the, the end of my life. Or like, maybe this isn't like something where I'm stuck and there's just nothing that can be done. But oh yeah, God can bring life into this situation. And so we need that from other people. And then we can become the people that prophesy, that bring encouraging, bring God's encouraging words to people around us. That's really what the church is. We're those that go out. You know, It's not this hour and a half on Sunday morning is, is, a, is a highlight. But it's really about then us going out into the world and prophesying, speaking God's word of life and hope and truth to the world around us. So verse 5, back to Ezekiel 37. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you. If you don't know what a sinew is, it's like the tendons and the cartilage and the stuff that connects the bones. I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Hmm. So there's God's vision. And that's what, he was, what Ezekiel was to prophesy. I, where there's death, where there's bones, I will connect the bones. I'll bring cartilage. I'll bring sinews. I'll cause flesh to grow. I'll cause it to come alive. This is what I'm going to do. So, verse 7. I love this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So think about that. Like, 
God had a word, but it had to have a man speak it for it to come about. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. You know, I, I love even that word, the commanded in there. Because, um, not that I love commands so much, but I kind of have learned to love commands because we don't know how much Ezekiel is feeling it at this moment. We don't know if he had this like surge of faith and optimism. Like, oh yeah, it's going to happen. Sometimes it's like that, but sometimes it's like, I'm feeling nothing. I'm not feeling anything. This is what your word says, God. This is what you're telling me. And it's just scary and impossible. But a lot, and that's what, I feel like more of my life is like that than just the feeling it all the time. But it's, will we do what God commands? Will we, like, hear his word and obey him and step out in faith and do what he commands no matter how we feel? And so that's so often what has to happen for this to happen. But he did it, and there was a sound, and it, the bones came together. In verse 8, I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. However, there was no breath in them. So, that's interesting. The, the bodies, like, came together. There was, all the parts were now there, from these skeletons to full bodies. There's only one thing missing was the breath. They were fully formed, but dead. And I just, I think this is really interesting because so often the process of resurrection is a process. There's a beginning point where you start to see the work of God happening and things start to happen, but that's not the end of the process. And there's a danger in there because many times we, we start partnering with God in that process of new life and restoration and we see things happening. And there are two mistakes that we often make here. And I've been so guilty of both of these. Um, two mistakes we often make here. One is we're too content too soon. Like we see like, wow, there's something happening here. God's done, God's, God, but instead of saying God's doing it, we say God's done it. And we like send the testimony out in our newsletter or, you know, where we just more like internally just like stop. We're like, yeah, we, we, we kind of coast. We're like, oh, the work is done. Yay, God did it. And, but so often, like it doesn't work that way. There's, there's one time where Jesus healed a blind guy and he put mud on his eyes and prayed for him, and then he said, hey, can you see now? And the guy said, well, I see men, but they look like trees walking. He could, he could see more than before, but it was still blurry. And then Jesus prayed for him again, and then his eyes were completely open, and he could see all the way. There's sometimes the work that God does, the miraculous work that God does, it's a process. There was another time where, in the Old Testament, where the prophet Elisha went to the king of Israel and took this this bow and arrow, and said, hey, shoot the arrow out the window. And so the king did it. And then the prophet said, hey, take an arrow and strike the ground with it. And he said that you're shooting that arrow against the enemies of Israel, the, the nation of Aram. 
And so now strike the arrow on the ground. And so the king struck the ground one, two, three times. And then it says that Elisha got mad at the king and said, hey, why did you stop after three times? Because of that, you're going to have a partial victory. You're going to have like a few military victories, but it won't be all the way. But if you would have struck the arrow five or six times, then you would have had a total victory. And so often, we do that. And you're like, well, how is he supposed to know? But I think there's, we need to like press in until there's release from the spirit and we know that the job is done. Um, there's, we can be content too soon. We think it's a, a done deal. And so, you know, so many, you know, think about our, the situations. We were like, man, okay, I had a conversation and it was good. But don't stop there. I saw God do good things in my life in this place. But don't stop yet. Keep prophesying. Keep speaking. Keep believing until the process is completed. Um, the other thing we can do is, and I think different personalities in, in the room are more prone to different ones of these. So some of us are more prone toward the first one, like, hey, yay, it's done, this is great, let's tell the world. And then some of us are more like, hey, he's still dead. <laughs> What's the point? I don't, what, it's, nothing's happening here. Nothing's happening here. There's still death. They're all, don't you realize, like, this doesn't matter. All we got is a corpse. We had a skeleton, now we got a corpse. <laughs> all right? So, God's not real. This, this, why do you guys, why are you saying we should have faith? This is, we got to, this is still dead. Okay? Let's just, this just, just, just be fun. How many of you are in the first category of people? Raise your hand if you're the first ones, like, tend to go halfway. Well, if you... What, lean, yeah, what, what's your third category? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, which of you are more likely to be the first than the second? Okay. Which of you are more likely to be the second than the first? <laughs> wow, there are a lot, of, a lot of both of you. I think there were more two than ones, actually. I was surprised by that. Yeah, but they're both. They're both, like, missing it. Like, the second one, you're like, can you see? Like, God's doing something here. God's doing something amazing here. Like this body just came together. No, it's not done yet. But that should encourage us to keep pressing in. Like to keep believing and exercising our faith to see it come all the way. Okay. No shame. It's just fun. We, we all got our issues. So, verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. There it is again. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And keep speaking. Keep speaking the word of the Lord. Keep prophesying. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. So again, we don't know how he felt, but he did it, and the army came together. And this, you know, as the Israelites heard this, they would have been thinking a lot about their situation in captivity. They would have been thinking about, okay, yeah, there's hope that we're not going to be captives forever. They would have been reminded of God's promises to go back to the promised land. They would have been reminded of their promises to be in the center of God's purposes for the world. 
to bring his life to the world. And really that's for us too, that this applies to our individual lives. But it's much bigger than us individually. It's about God raising up a people that will bring life to the world. It's about God not only resurrecting individual people, but then knitting them together into an army that will be his force in the world. And that same, even more today, like we can understand more fully what God was up to now than the Israelites would have when they heard this. That God is, is raising up a people, a resurrected people, going into the world as his people, as his army, bringing life to the world. Um, verse 11, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. You know, that's how they were feeling. That's how you may be feeling this morning. Um, if, you're, if you're awake, if you're not numb, which you may be both, I tend to be both, but there are parts of our life that God wants to bring us to, to put his finger on that and see places that are dead, places that are not where he wants them to be, and say, hey, I want to bring your attention to that area. And because I want to do something there. I want to bring life in that place. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. I believe this is what God is ready to do in our lives, ready to do in our church, ready to do in Manhattan, different areas, different relationships, different places. Um, how many of you Another show of hands. How many of you right now, you, you, this no, you know, no, no, no pressure, just more to help me figure out what to do next. <laughs> How many of you, like, you know, I know an area right now that God's putting his finger on in my life, in my world, that he wants me to believe for? Just raise your hand if you're in that place right now. Okay, a bunch of us. This is what I want to do. Um, I'm going to take, like, one minute. And we're just going to pray and ask God if there's a place he wants to show us where he wants to bring life to in our lives and in our world. And then I want you to just take another like two minutes with the person next to you and quickly, if you, you don't have to, but if you want to, say, hey, this is something I believe God wants to do in my life or my situation. And then I want us to practice this. All right, this is just like one striking the ground with an arrow. This isn't the end-all, be-all, like, oh, we did it on Sunday morning, it's done. We've got to keep doing it. But I, I would think it would be good for us to start for putting this into practice right now. And so share if you have an area with someone next to you. And then if you want to, prophesy, speak God's purpose, God's resurrection life, the testimony of Jesus, either for your own situation or the person next to you. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay, good. Let's, take, let's just take like one minute and, and pray and ask God to bring this home for us.
Lord, you're the same spirit that led Ezekiel to that valley. Lead us to that valley where you want to show us the place of death and where you want to bring new life. Speak to our hearts right now.